back, I'm Kim Bailey, she's Juliana Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. Today we're going to look at a case study, and this is a case study that is based around emotional decision making. We are faced with a very positive situation. We have a team that has proposed a project to the organisation, has had it accepted, not just accepted, but fully and wholeheartedly supported with more positive feedback again. So the team's on a pretty good high. We've been given a budget that will well and truly cover all of the activities that we would like to accomplish and we are powering towards making this thing happen. The decisions that we're making are based obviously on the plan that we've put together but as we get more and more positive feedback and more and more things fall into place and perhaps we get additional thing, good stuff happening around the project that we hadn't thought about, we are pushed more towards thinking that this is the absolutely perfect project and perfect team and all things are looking pretty good at this point in time. My question is, are we making our decisions based on the plan or are our decisions now, knowing that the plan is in place and is working, based more on the emotional high that we are re receiving because of the way the project is working? What we're aiming to do here is keep the excitement and the positive approach by the whole team, but at the same time not to be so excited as to jump into areas without thinking and planning those incremental steps where we always learn the devil is in the detail and if we're too excited to even think about the detail because it's boring and we're too busy living the limelight, I think that could be a danger. And, and what also happens is that you, the more success and the more positive your team is, you run the risk of someone who's jealous outside of the team saying, you're riding for a fall. All of this good stuff can't happen with some sort of bad thing to balance it out. So how do you ignore that emotional response to your success and not have it cloud the decisions that you're making? I agree that we have a plan and that we have a structure for making decisions. What about the scenario where something that we haven't considered that might well we see as being complementary to the project, might actually enhance some of the areas where we had only set a, a minimum target or a, a mediocre target, and we've got perhaps new technology or new resources that we can bring into the project that will make it, in our eyes, an even better outcome. Are we making that decision based on the fact that we're feeling so good about everything that we don't fully look at what the ramifications of, of bringing in that added resource might be or is it that if we look at that we'll start to second guess our decisions we'll start to think about the negative we'll start to worry about the what if and maybe and like shoulda coulda woulda situation the beauty about that situation is you can always fall back to stay positive because you've been through a hard thinking you put it through and it got approved and that's a pretty good guess that it's required and relevant. So you can always do that every time you go down trying to be negative and trying to talk yourself into a negative situation. However, the biggest power that you have is the team itself. 
your team is a mix of a number of people, personalities that invariably play a different role. You've got the ever optimist that no matter how bad the situation is, they will continue to find a way and a positive way around it. You've got the numbers person who will keep pulling us back and saying, okay, but the budget, and here is where we're at, this is the promise, these are the numbers, we need to stick within those. There is the detail-oriented person who will, again, says the idea is good, but what about the process, what about technology, what about the training, what about the resourcing, etc.? By allowing every single person in your team to participate, by having the courage to invite other specialists from time to time to address parts of the decision-making before you decide where ultimately you're going to go, by involving other people that will be affected by your fabulous project, whether that's... um, the end customer, whether it's the person who serves the customer, whether it's another organization, a supplier organization. Any of those will almost guarantee the success of your project rather than diminish it. I wonder whether we are thinking about a situation that is not realistic. If I think about the people that I've worked with, the teams I've worked with, the organizations I've worked with, I can't think of very many, I can think of some, but I can't think of very many where there was an individual who stayed positive always, who was always forward thinking, who was always looking for the bright side of the situation. Very few and far between. And I think that that is a result of us being trained in scarcity thinking, that the resources and the activities that we do all need to be done within this very tight framework. And that's to some extent true because we we want it to be cost-effective, whatever we're doing. But does that cost-effectiveness override us being emotionally involved in what we are doing. And so we've got to strike this balance between emotionally involved in the activity, the project, and not having the decisions that we need to make influenced by our feelings or our emotions. As human beings, when we are very excited and feeling the euphoria of what we're doing, what we tend to do sometimes is to over-promise, over-sell, over-present what we are in the process of achieving and what stage we're at, let alone the final outcome. I would just like to bear that in mind as we are being excited, telling people, publicising, we're doing this project and this is where we're at and this is what's happening. You want to be careful not to over-promise and under-deliver. And just so that we, we keep the theme running, we will use a food example. If you go to a restaurant and you know that the food is outstanding and you have the opportunity to order an amount of food that can be shared across the table, how many times in that situation do you order just enough food? And how many times do we over-order? Do we have leftovers? And we need to think about that situation as it relates to our decision-making in a team where we have an abundance of resources, we know that all of the people within the team are good, do we, in fact, under-promise and over-deliver? Or are we 
producing too much that will go to waste simply because we were enthusiastic in taking on this particular task or project in the first place. So it's managing the resources, managing the outcome, and not having that waste, wasted effort and wasted results left over at the end of the day like you would in a restaurant. See, she can't talk now because the food <laughs> example has just, just put her off again altogether. She's assuming I do have leftovers. <laughs> um, no, see, I can't. Well, I'm no, joking, I'm joking. Culturally, <laughs> there has to be leftovers, otherwise you're off. Not, you haven't had enough to eat. There wasn't yes. enough on the table. So I understand enough. that. But I don't think that culturally anybody mm. in an organisation would want to see things left over in a project. Yes. <laughs> you, you certainly don't want to waste, as Kim said, in terms of resources, time and energy. Just remember, when you are working on a project like this example, your business as usual items still have to be done. So you and your team's time is being stretched and you're putting extra time in to do that. So you want to make sure it's used wisely, the same as your cost, the same as the outcome and the target dates. So you've got to stay on target. And the best way to, to, to do all of that is constant review and reviewing it from all angles and with all hats on. You know, you heard of the white hat, black hat, whatever, use all those techniques to make sure that you're doing what you said you're going to do and you haven't left any room for error or overlooked something. Another technique is some of maybe other departments, or as Kim mentioned, they might even be jealous or whatever. If you know that and without harping on the jealous bit, invite them to come in and see what they say. Now, not at the end, but at certain parts of the project says, from your perspective, how does that look so far? So what you're able to do is maybe if they're telling you the truth and not trying to mislead you, then they will tell you what they like or don't like. You can choose to take it on board or not to take it on board. You don't have to do what any feedback you're given, but it gives you an opportunity to A, listen, take it, analyze it, and decide and the best thing about that is whether you adopt it or not, is you'll be able to answer that question when it's raised another time. I'm interested to hear how you manage. We've, we've talked about the, all the different characters that you'll have in a team yeah. and how that, those resources work together and you get that synergy happening. How do you manage the over-enthusiastic puppy dog, the one who bounds in each day and says, isn't it great, you know, I've brought everyone coffee and we're going to have a fabulous day and... Let's just get on with it. How do you manage that enthusiasm? How do you curb it so that it doesn't become irritating to the other members of the team who aren't always up as much as this person is, even though everyone's enthusiastic about what we're doing? Well, I, it's not a bad problem to have anyway. Oh, see, I don't think it is. I think it's a harder thing to manage. I think it's a very difficult way. I, I can't imagine having to draw the line and having to talk to someone about not be, please don't be as enthusiastic as that. Yeah, well, that's that's right. I, I rather have that situation that someone who is negative for negative sake. But your, your point is still valid and it could get irritating and turn some other members off. So how to address that? I think firstly is to acknowledge and thank the person and mm. their contribution, but keep them very busy. <laughs> give them lots of work that requires 
uh, within their skill set, within their area or whatever. It requires concentration and analytics, concentration and research where they need to have to go and find out if you do this, what will happen? By doing that, they're busy, they're still upbeat, but they're not just upbeat and being the entertainer rather than the doer as well as the positive person. Okay. So then you have the person in the team who is swept up by the enthusiasm, who's really keen to be part of this team because it is so positive and they've never worked in a, a group that has been so positive like this before. So they take on more than they can manage. And they have all of these half-finished activities. They're still very positive. They still think they can finish it all. They still think they can meet all the targets. They can do it all. How do you manage that and not take away their enthusiasm? I think that's uh, equally as important because in their enthusiasm they could derail the project by wanting to work so hard and want to be so good and such a great team member they could derail it because you're waiting on them, you're believing them, and they're going to miss about five crucial steps. Again, the the person that managing the project would keep holding the target dates, talk to the person about why well before the target is missed, once you gather that, and say, look, I'm sorry, you're not going to get any other tasks. These have to be done first because of the interdependencies. That's one technique. That, as well as saying, look, I'm sorry, but I really need to take that because so-and-so have finished their part and we need to share the, the work around. So this person have finished item one, two, and three, and now are like, you've got five, and they got only one, so let's share it. So you could, it depends on the situation and the people is what you can do, but don't be afraid to actually show them that they are missing or nearly missing a target, and that's not what they intended or signed up to do acknowledge that yes but then we have the team member who wants to be part of the team is enjoying being part of the team but is perhaps not giving of their all because they are afraid of failure and they are afraid maybe not afraid of failure but they're afraid that they won't meet the standard of the rest of the team because it is just not physically in them to be as upbeat as everybody else well, with that person, I think the buddy system could be good, but you mm-hmm. can't single them out and give them a buddy. But what you say is, can you please work with so-and-so? Because what that means is that person has got someone there who maybe have a few more years' experience or been on a number of other projects and, and so on, and say, yes, you still allow them to have their own work and deliverables, but in conjunction with another person so this way they can learn and get their confidence and if something went off everybody makes mistakes so that's not a big deal as long as that is caught quickly enough and addressed again the buddy system is a good one the other one is to say look I know you haven't got as much experience as everyone else here but your contribution is valuable and if you hesitant and you want to double check something before you do it you can talk to me on this one to her on that one and to him on that one my last one is the person who is in the team has been positive about this particular project but in the course of the project sees that the repercussions of a successful end to this project are going to affect them in some peripheral sense in in some negative way peripherally so maybe for example you're introducing a new lot of software, a new lot of automation, 
and that whilst the software and what it can do is exciting in that first instance, in the longer term, this person foresees that it will mean the loss of someone's job that they've worked with for 20 years. And so that obviously engenders an emotional response in them. And they, whilst they're still positive about the project, they have some hesitation about the finality of the project. So they're dragging their tail a little bit so that the project won't finish so that they don't have to face this other situation that's going to present itself once the project is finished. I think take them, not just them, but everyone into what is after the project, mm. what will happen when this project finishes, yep. what the expected outcome, what is the plan, if any, for what well, they should have a plan, if it's going to affect people or the way we do things, which means do we need to revise procedures, do we need to review the outcome of the project to see how successful it's been, what about retraining other people, what about having now that we got an established group that had such a major project under their belt, they might be able to work on another project. Take them a little bit in the future as best as you can at this point and show them actual activity or roles that they will be involved in. So it's not the end and I don't know. Rather, it is the end, but it's also beginning for other opportunities. I think the whole of the discussion that we've had has highlighted that regardless of how much we would like to separate them, emotions and feelings are going to be part of everything we do every day. And the more that we have process and the more that we communicate and the more that we share our knowledge, our feelings and our activities, the better off we will be in managing, making the right decisions at the right time for the right reasons. And I just want to end up with one of Kim's favourite, which is, no, serious Kim, I'm not laughing. Oh, sorry, sorry. Communication how crucial that is throughout anything. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Very good. Now, see, now I'm lost for words. Yeah. <laughs> oh, first time ever. That's it. Record this day. First time in all the podcasts we've done. No, it's not. There was one other occasion where I was left speechless. But we will leave it there for today. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. <laughs>